Psalm chapter number 12. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we, we start. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your words. Thank you, Lord, for the songs that make us excited about your return, Father, to catch us away. We thank you, Lord, that uh, that is our blessed hope. And when things are getting dark, we know that you are there for us, Father. And that just like what the Bible says, even so, come Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for our hope. Thank you, Lord, for our words that we can fellowship, Father, and that we can feast on uh, for, for the words of your book. And uh, we pray, Father, that you would take away all the distractions from our hearts and minds and that our hearts would stand in awe of thy word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Psalm chapter number 12, verse number 6. We're going to start in verse number 6. The Bible says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth. That's why the title of our message today is called The Furnace of Earth. Colon, the Old Testament, meaning we're going to see how we received or how the Old Testament got to us. As, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. You can see the subject of that first verse over there is the plural noun called words. All the words of the Lord are pure, meaning no mistakes. If there are mistakes there, that means they are not pure. They are impure. Even just one single impurity renders it impure. Just like the Bible says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. The verb in verse 7 is preserve. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve. Keep and preserve. Um, the doer of the action is the Lord, not man. Amen? The sole reason why you can trust that God will perfectly preserve and preserve them perfect is because the doer is God, and with God, nothing is impossible. That's why we can trust that his words are pure because he's the one that preserves them. Oh yes, he uses holy men of God. He uses saved people, but he uses them and he's the one that gives them the wisdom and the understanding and he's the one that gives them the leading. The object that the Lord preserves is the pronoun them. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them. That's a pronoun in the third person. It's talking about it, and it's plural. Them, correct? Whose antecedent, then if you have a noun, or sorry, if you have a pronoun, it has to have an antecedent, which means it has to, have, it has to be pointing to a specific noun. Them, the pronoun them, is talking about Words, the, the noun words. It's pointing to the noun words. Okay? So what is God going to preserve? The words. Amen. 
And finally, the duration of the Lord's action of preserving. How long is He going to preserve His words? Forever. Amen? Meaning, if God's words today are impure, if God's words today are not preserved anymore, then He failed to be God. Because He lied. But God cannot lie. Amen? And with God, nothing is impossible. He can preserve His words from this generation to forever. Now compare it with how other translations render Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. All right? Other translations on your left side. It says, And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible. Like gold refined seven times, you, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked. Notice that the word preserve is changed to keep safe. Can you see that? Notice that the object that needs to be protected and kept safe is no longer the words but it is the pronoun us. Can you see that? Notice that it changed from a third person plural pronoun to a first person plural pronoun. Can you see that? Right? The other thing that I would like you to notice is that the furnace of earth is gone. It was changed to a crucible. Why? Because why is it important? Why is the furnace of earth important? Because that is an illustration of saved man. We are made out of clay. After, we are made from earth after all. Man without God's Holy Spirit is just an empty furnace of earth that does not have fire. It cannot, it cannot purify if the fire is gone. But a saved man is someone that God uses to preserve his word. The furnace of earth is man and the fire is the Holy Spirit. No wonder God said in Job 32 verse 8, you don't have to go there, but there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth, him, giveth them understanding. Why would the translator allow the change to slide? Why change them to us? This brings me back to another furnace in the Bible where Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Do you know who they are? Remember them? Those are the Hebrew names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now you know who they are, right? Now you remember. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I still think. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Remember my joke last week? Sometimes I still think that Moses was the one who killed David. No, it wasn't. It was, or sorry, Goliath, Goliath. Anyway, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a furnace after they refused to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. The king looked into the furnace and remember what he said? He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fort is like 
the, see that article? The son of God. Look at the change. He said, look, I see four men walking around in fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Which one is more direct? The son of God or a son of the gods? There is no question who the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was during that time. King Nebuchadnezzar did not have any question who he was. He knew that when he looked in there, it was the God of, Shadrach, or of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Son of God. Amen. So what today are we going to discuss? Today we will see who's, who these furnaces are and how God used them. We will not be able to finish all of them, so we will only look at how we got the Old Testament. Who did God use to write down and preserve the Old Testament? I'm glad you asked. The Old Testament is brought to you by, ta-da, ready? Priests, kings, and prophets. Not just your ordinary garden variety people. These were holy men of God that He used. Amen. I know not all the priests were good. Not all of them were saved. I know not all of the kings were good. Some of them, when they, when they were presented with the, the word of God, they took the pen, their penknife and threw it in the fire. And cut it to pieces and threw it in the, in the fire. I know not all prophets were good. But God chose a select few who was His furnace of earth to make sure that the Old Testament would travel from their time all the way to our time unharmed. Did you know that all throughout the Old Testament, you can actually trace how the Old Testament got to us? Something happens when we read our Bibles, amen? And you don't even have to depend on me, on my education or the lack thereof <laughs> to tell you how it got to us. All you got to do is go into God's Word and read it, amen? Let's start in Exodus chapter number 17. Let's talk about the priests first. And then how God used the priest to, to get the book of uh, the, the Old Testament over to us. The book of uh, Exodus chapter 17 verse 14. And the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a what? Book. Amen. You know, that was, that's the first time the word write is used in the Bible. God said the first time when he would write something down, when something was written down, it was for a memorial in a book. You know why? God knew that people are forgetful and they always have to put things in their memory. Amen. That's why God did not use oral tradition to get his words to us. He used a book to get it to us. Amen. We know that Moses wrote the Pentateuch, or to them, the Jews, or the, the Israelites, they call it the Torah, the first books of Moses, the law. The five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Psalms, oh, no, sorry. I was just checking if you guys were still awake. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, amen? So God told Moses, write this down. 
Look at Numbers chapter number 22, verse 1 to 3. These are the journeys of the children of Israel, which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the, under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And Moses wrote their goings out according to their journeys by the commandment of the Lord. See, Rose, Moses was not just writing down in, in his diary what happened. Moses did not just chronicle what their daily activities were. This was the commandment of the Lord for Moses to write it down. By the way, quick question. What tribe was Moses from? Levi, amen. The priestly tribe. These are their journeys according to their goings out. So, that's why we were talking about, firstly, the priest. God used the priest to bring his words to us. Look in Deuteronomy chapter number 31. By the way, I'm, I, I beg your pardon if I'm going too fast with, my, with, with our references. There are just simply too many verses that we need to read over here. If I'm going too fast, please just write the verses down and you can look at those things later on. Deuteronomy 31, verse 24 to 25. And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of the law in a book, until they were finished, that Moses commanded who? The Levites, the priests, which bear the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord of the Lord saying, next verse, take this book of the law and put it in the side of the Ark of the Covenant. There we have it. The first original. Well, actually, this is the second original. Remember? Why? Because the very first original that God wrote with his own finger, which is the Ten Commandments, Moses broke. The, the second original, Moses told them, the Levites, put this original inside the Ark of the Covenant and seal it forever. Nobody knows where it is now. All right? So they don't have the Word of God anymore because they don't have, it's all, it's in the Ark of the Covenant. Ah, but they made copies. Amen. That's why they have the scribes and the Pharisees during the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. The job of the priests is to copy them. And let me share, let me share you a couple, of, uh, a couple of rules that they actually used while copying. This is how meticulous they were in copying the words of God. You ready? It's called the Masoretic Rules. That's why the, uh, the faithful texts of the Hebrew Bible is called the Masoretic Text. Don't worry, about the, don't worry about the term late for now. We won't have a test about it. Maybe in two weeks, amen? The Masoretic Rules. So let me just read real quick what they are to you. These are some of the meticulous rules that they followed while copying the, the Scriptures. Number one, they should, it should be written on the skin of a clean animal. It should be prepared by a Jew, which the, the, the skin, uh, the dried skin of the clean animal should be prepared by a Jew. 
It should be fastened together with strings taken from clean animals. It should be lined and spaced so that each page had a certain number of columns. You know what? We are so spoiled right now because the notebooks that we can get are ruled. Amen? There's lines already. We don't have to draw our own lines. And even more spoiled because we have printers already. We don't have to worry about the lines. Number, uh, number six, the whole copy must, be f- must first be lined in three words. If three words were written without first being lined, the copy must be discarded. The ink must be black, developed according to a special recipe. Right? I'm just, I'm just going through them really fast. Look at this. The transcriber, meaning the copier, the one who's making a copy of the Bible, they did not have the movable type printing press yet, which was developed by Johannes Gutenberg later on. So it has to be hand copied. The, transcop- the transcriber could not deviate the least from the original. No word or letter, not even a yod or jot or a tittle, could be written from memory. The scribe must look at each word before writing. So say, for example, you're copying, you're a scribe, and you're copying John 3.16. Well, everyone, most everyone memorizes John 3.16 in this room, right? You cannot, you are not allowed to write, to copy it from memory. You're required to look at each letter in, or sorry, uh, uh, John 3.16. For, for God. F, F. You can't go, oh, I know that. For God so loved the world. It has to be, you cannot do it from memory. The scribe must look at each word before writing. Before every consonant, the space of a hair or thread must intervene. Between every new paragraph or section, the breadth of nine consonants must intervene. Between every book, three lines must intervene. The fifth book of Moses must terminate exactly with the line. You still with me? Can you imagine how meticulous it is to copy a word of the Word of God? Next slide. Look at this. The priest must dress in full attire while copying God's word. Can you imagine the respect that people had for God's word? Every word and every letter was counted. And if a letter was omitted, an extra letter inserted, or if one letter touched another, the manuscript was condemned and destroyed. Watch this. He had to reverently wipe his pen each time before writing the Word of God. He had to wash his whole body before writing the sacred name Jehovah. Watch this. Should a king address him while writing that name, he must take no notice of him. Can you imagine a scribe, a priest writing down the Bible and then all of a sudden he's writing the name Jehovah. He has to wash himself first and wipe his, wipe his pen clean. And if King David was outside and saying, where's this priest? Come out here. I need you. I'm not supposed to pay attention to you because the word of God is more important. Whew. If a mistake were made in the copying, 
He was not allowed to erase it or cross it out, but must throw the ruined page away and start anew. One mistake on a sheet condemned the sheet. If three mistakes were found on any page, the entire manuscript was condemned and destroyed. Can you imagine how meticulous that was? God wanted to make sure that when the Old Testament was copied, the whole purity of it was left intact so it could get to us pure. And He can only use furnaces of earth, meaning save men who had the Holy Ghost inside of them. Because dishonest men would not care about rules like that. Dishonest men would not care about the purity of God's word like that. Then we go to 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 8 and 9. And with them, he sent Levites. And then it's going to give you all these names that it's hard to pronounce. <laughs> Shemaiah, um, Nethaniah, Zebadiah, Asahel, Shemiramoth, Jehonathan, and Adonijah, and Tobijah, and Tobadonijah, Levites, and went with them Elishama and Jehoram, priests. And they taught in Judah, and had the book of the law of the Lord with them, and went about through all the cities of Judah, and taught the people. It was their job not only to copy them faithfully, it was also their job to go and preach them to the people. Hey, that's how the Old Testament was kept intact during that time. Now, what about the kings? God used kings as well during that time, right? Really? God used the kings to copy the Old Testament as well? Yes, I'm glad you asked. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18. As a matter of fact, it is a requirement if you are a king to copy the word of God. Oh, it'd be, a so, it'd be such an awesome requirement if presidents or heads of state would do that. <laughs> Amen? Deuteronomy 17, verse 18. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall, copy, uh, he shall write him a copy of the law. He can't, he, he's not supposed to order people to write it for him. He's not supposed to command people to copy it for him. He's supposed to write it down himself. The copy of the, a copy of this law in a book out of which is before the priests, the Levites. Well, Brother Francis, if he's copying it, how do we know that he's copying it with the same rules that the Masoretes were using, just like what we read earlier? How do we know that when he's copying it, it's perfect? Well, obviously, there are bad kings who don't care about it. That's why we're talking about the furnace of earth. The saved men who had the Holy Spirit inside of them. Amen. Right? That he may learn to fear the Lord his God. Watch it. To keep how many of the words? All of the words. If he was faithful and he was a furnace of earth he would make sure that all of the words are copied correctly. It's not easy to be a king, amen. 
In Proverbs 21 verse 1, that's why it says over there, we're talking about faithful kings here. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Why? Because every single day, that king keeps on copying and copying and reading and reading the word of God. Amen. Right? Now we know that before there was a king, who was the first king of Israel? Remember? King Saul. Before he was the king, it was Joshua after Moses died and then, and then God used judges before there was a king. Look at Joshua chapter 8, verse 32. And he wrote there upon the stones a copy of the law of Moses. There was no king yet. And Joshua copied it. A copy of the law. Why? Because the original was where? In the Ark of the Covenant. So he had to copy it. Here's original number two. It was written in stones. <laughs> right? Uh, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. How do we know that he copied everything? Watch the next the next verse there. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel. He made sure that every single word was copied. Later, later on, Joshua chapter 24, verse 26, And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone and set it up, there under an oak, and there was by the sanct that there was uh, sorry that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. So you can see how jo uh, the priests Joshua around the, before the kings they were so concerned about making sure all the words were copied, nothing was left behind. And look at First Samuel. First Samuel, of course, who wrote First and Second Samuel. First uh, Samuel was the guy who anointed the first two kings of Israel, Saul and David, remember? First Samuel 10 verse 25, Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a, where? Book, amen. And then later on in Proverbs 25 verse 1, there is also, there are also, these are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. So as you can see, God used the priests to copy the originals from the originals and make sure that every single word was pure. And as you can see, God also used kings. Granted, not all the priests and not all the kings were good and faithful kings and priests. But God used the faithful ones to make sure when copies were made, all the words were kept intact. So the purity was not compromised. We're in our last point, by the way, because there's only three, remember? Priests, kings. The last one is prophets. Amen. So we'll talk about the prophets. As you can see in our picture over here, that was the handwriting on the wall in the book of Daniel. Right? Let's talk about the prophets. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 32, now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness, behold, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet. I wonder what book that is. Hmm. Isaiah, amen. 
And some of it is also written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. Right? Look at Jeremiah 36. Remember in the book of... We talked about the original of Jeremiah. Actually, two originals went from Jeremiah. The first one... He sent it over to King Jehudai, and King Jehudai took a penknife and started to cut things that he didn't like. And then the rest of it he threw into the fire. Then God told Jeremiah to write it again. All the words that were in there. Guess what? God did not say when Jehudai took his penknife and, and cast his, his word to the fire. God did not say, oh man, King Jehudai, now I won't know what to write in there. I've forgotten it all. Did God do that? Of course not. He's all-knowing. So he asked Jeremiah to write a second time. Everything was in there. But then after that, that was original number two, the original book of Jeremiah. God asked Jeremiah to bind it up with a stone and throw it in the middle of the river. Well, then why do we have the book of Jeremiah? Because we have the copies from them. Amen. Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 1 and 2, And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that his word, that this word came up unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book and write therein in all the words I have spoken unto thee. All the words I have spoken unto thee. Nothing missing. Nothing left out. Everything kept intact. So much so that when Daniel was in Babylon studying the book of Jeremiah. Can you imagine that? He was studying the book of Jeremiah in Babylon. That means they were in captivity already. Do you understand what's going on here? Just imagine with me for a second. Say, for example, this is, this is the nation. And all of a sudden, Babylonians came and attacked. What's the first thing you're going to grab to keep safe? Oh, no, my cell phone. Oh, no, the piano. Oh, no, my wallet. Daniel, he had the book of Jeremiah with him. The first thing that he grabbed was the scriptures, amen. The copies of God's word. Let me deviate for a second here. How important is God's word to us, amen? I remember when I was still living in the Philippines and sometimes I would fly over here or I would go to the city in Manila and some of my, some of, uh, my friends and students would say, uh, Brother Francis, could you please buy me a Bible? I want a really nice one, uh, 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 like a leather-bound one uh, and, and such and such. And, and I'm not against anyone having a, a beautiful Bible. Praise God for that if you have one. Amen. So I would do that until finally I, kept, I, I, I thought to myself, listen, You have such an awesome cell phone. You have awesome gadgets. I was talking to my my students here, okay? I'm, I'm looking at your cell phone. I'm looking at your gadgets. And they're all top of the line. And you can't buy your own Bible? Come on now. How much do we put importance in God's words? Daniel put importance in God's words so much so that when the Babylonians came to attack, he, the first thing that he grabbed was the words of God. 
He had the book of Jeremiah while he was in Babylon. He said, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. He was studying God's words while they were out in captivity. Look in Daniel chapter number 9. How do you know it's just, maybe, maybe Daniel just got the book of Jeremiah, not everything else. Look at Daniel chapter number 9, verse 11. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses. They also had a copy of the, word, uh, of the, of the law of Moses. That's the first thing they grabbed. You know what happened? You know the picture earlier about, about the writing on the wall? You know what they did? They grabbed, they were not, that, that, was, uh, that was the Babylonians. They grabbed all the gold in the temple and they used it in their party. And that's why the handwriting on the wall came. Daniel did not run to the temple to grab the gold. He went and grabbed the scriptures. Amen. That's how important it is to him. Then after the captivity, when they went back, the book of Nehemiah chapter number 8, chapter 8, verse 8. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. They read in the book, in the law of God distinctly. That's what we're supposed to be doing, amen, in our church. Read it distinctly. And gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Almost done here. Bear with me. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 14 to 15. And after they came back from the captivity, they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. And watch it, that they should publish, number one, and proclaim. So they found the law, written in the law, that they're supposed to publish and to proclaim. Meaning they're supposed to print and to preach. And so much so that so many copies were faithful copies, okay, were created. So many faithful copies were created that when it came time that the Lord Jesus Christ was there. When the Lord Jesus Christ came into the scene, remember in the book of Luke, we're almost done. Remember in the book of Luke, when the Lord Jesus Christ came into the temple and then he was asked to read the book of Isaiah? Is that the original? No, it's a copy. Watch it. Luke chapter number four, verse 17. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Watch it. The next verse. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Remember, that's not the original. That's a copy. 
And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, Jesus said, Oh, you know, this is just the best manuscript that we found. Is that what he said? He said, this day is this scripture. He called that copy a scripture. The scriptures. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Why? Because all throughout the Old Testament, even during the time of the captivity, God used the furnaces of earth whose who, who, who thought so highly of God's word that even when there was somebody attacking them, they would risk their lives and grab a copy of God's word to make sure they are preserved from this generation forever. Whew. Look at the furnace of earth in action. And they said, remember in Luke chapter number 24, when there were two disciples after the Lord Jesus Christ that died, they did not know that he ascended yet. Remember that? And they thought that he was still dead. And the guy that walk was, was walking with them was actually the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to them about the Bible. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us? Did not our hearts burn within us? What's inside the furnace? It's useless if there's no fire in there. Amen. Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked with us, by the way, and while He opened to us the Scriptures. See, ladies and gentlemen, notice God lighting the fire in the furnace of earth. Amen. In this church, we may be few. Amen. In this church, there may be no disco balls. In this church, there may be no rock and roll music. But you can be sure, by the grace of the living God, there's more scripture read here. Why? Because we care about the Lord Jesus Christ lighting that fire in your hearts. To make sure that furnace keeps burning. Amen. I'm going to jump this verse over here. I'm going to go over to Luke, or sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. How is it? That at that time, they were concerned with making sure that the copy was faithful and without mistake. How, it, how is it that at that time, they were more concerned about the purity of God, of God's word? And now, 90% of Christendom says the versions, the language does not matter. God says it does. It's pure, 100% pure. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Let me ask you this. This is, how I, this is how we end. Do you have a holy Bible? 2 Peter 1.21 says, Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Spirit. Other versions just say men. 
Matthew 25 verse 31 says the holy angels. Other versions just say angels. 1 Thessalonians 5.27 says, Holy brethren. Other versions just say brethren. John 7.39 says, Holy ghost. Other, other versions just say spirit. Revelation 8.20 says, Holy apostles and prophets. Other versions just says, Apostles and prophets. How could the word holy go away? In the Old Testament, God used furnaces of earth, faithful men who were saved to make sure that every single word was intact so the purity was intact. I end with this story, then we're done. You probably have heard the story of Hien Pham. Shortly after Vietnam fell, Hien Pham was imprisoned on accusations of helping the Americans. I'm just quoting another preacher that I heard. His jailers tried to indoctrinate him against democratic ideas and the Christian faith. He was restricted to communist propaganda in French and, or Vietnamese. And the daily deluge of Marx and Engels began to take its toll. Maybe, he thought, I have been lied to. Maybe God lied to me. Maybe God does not exist. Maybe the West was dece has deceived me. So he and determined that when he awakened the next day, he would not pray anymore or think of his faith. He was in prison here. The next morning, he was assigned the dreaded chore of cleaning the prison latrines. As he cleaned out a tin can overflowing with toilet paper, his eye caught what seemed to be English printed on one piece of paper. He retrieved the paper and cleaned it and read the words. Romans chapter 8. Trembling, he began to read. And we know that all things work together for good to, those that, to them that love him. Can you imagine? The Viet Cong were using the Bible as toilet paper during that time. He and Pham, who was, who was, who was uh, just, just given communist propaganda every single day, started to question his faith. So much so that he said, I'm going to stop praying. I'm going to stop thinking about my faith. And then when he was assigned to clean the bathrooms, he saw a piece of Romans chapter 8 with human waste. He had to clean it so that he could read it. He and wept. He knew his Bible and knew that there was not a more relevant passage for one in the verge of surrender. He cried out to God asking forgiveness for this was to have been the first day that he would not pray. Eventually, God had other plans for him. What his tormentors were using for refuse, the scriptures, could not be more treasured to him. After finding the scripture, he and asked the commander if he could clean the latrines regularly because he discovered that some official was using a Bible as the, the Bible as toilet paper. Each day, he and picked up a portion of scripture, cleaned it off, and added it to his collection of nightly reading. The day came when, through an equally uh, providential set of circumstances, he was released from prison. You know what kept him intact? was scripture being used as toilet paper that he had to clean the human refuse from. 
He promptly began to make plans to leave the country and to construct a boat for the escape of him and 53 others. All was going according to plan until days before his departure, four Viet Cong soldiers knocked on Hien's door and said they had heard of his escape. He denied it out of fear. And they left. Hien felt relieved, but at the same time disappointed within himself. He made a promise to God, fervently hoping that God would not take him up on it. That if the Viet Cong returned, he would tell them the truth. And finally, the Viet Cong returned again, knocked on his door. Are you guys planning on leaving and escaping the country? Here we go, said, v- said Hien. I got to tell the truth. Yes, we are. The Viet Cong looked at them and said, Can we come with you? And he was afraid for his life. How important is the Bible to you? Amen. Is it important enough? God's not calling us to look for His Word in the toilet. God's not calling us to look for His Word during times of of occupation. God's just saying, how important is God's Word for you that you would care for its purity? How about that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your words. I pray, Father, that if anything, you would help us understand how important it is, how important your purity is. If God cannot be, if God cannot preserve his word from this generation forever, how can we expect you to preserve our souls, our salvation? Lord, I know it was sort of heavy today. A lot of verses might seem dry, but I pray that, that your words would light the fire within everyone and help each and every one of us understand how important your word is. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.